Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Let me encourage you to turn with me, please, in your Bibles to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. Uh, And as you are doing so here in the sanctuary, I invite the rest of our church family and the Family Life Center to do the same, 1 Corinthians 12. And for those who may be worshiping online, join us in this conversation now, which has been going on three weeks. Today is the third of our four-part conversation about the whole body being the whole body. Before we pray, or before we begin our time of study, uh, we need to pray. And during the pastoral prayer, there's much on my mind and heavy on my heart, just as I'm sure there is for many of you this week. Today, I'm mindful of uh, many families who are grieving still after yet another uh, violent mass shooting at a bar in Thousand uh, Oaks, uh, California. Did I get that right? Thousand Oaks? So, yeah, I thought so. Um, and the families of those who are um, still grieving. I'm thinking in particular about uh, those young people, mostly in their 20s. But the officer who also went in attempting um, to save others and lost his own life. I'm thinking about him today. I'm thinking about those who are scared to death right now in California because a fire seems to rage and doesn't have any mercy in its path. For 23 people, it's taken their lives. And I'm thinking about first responders today who are exhausted and attempting to do everything they can to fight the fire and bring it under control and, and deliver people, uh, evacuees, to safer, safer regions. And you know, I'm also mindful today that today is a Veterans Day. And, and I am mindful that our congregation is filled not only with those who have served in a variety of ways in our military and among those who are first responders here locally as well, But I'm mindful that our congregation has sons and daughters and fathers and mothers and husbands and wives who currently, right now, are attending some um, responsibility so that we may be free and feel safe about being free. In fact, can I just do this before we preach? We've got some time to preach. Can I just ask you to do something? If you are a veteran of our military, in any capacity, at any point in your journey, uh, then or now, uh, would you stand with us for just a moment? We want to see where you are. Just stand and remain standing, would you? Yeah. Yeah. Remain standing, please. Yeah. Yes. And with those who who are family members of veterans, those who are uh, in a family now with someone who is either away or someone who has served, would you stand where you are? Because it takes an entire system of care and support. Yes, outstanding. 
And for those, yeah, go ahead. And for those of you, perhaps our, our first responders, police, fire, those who respond to emergencies here locally, if you are among us, both in this room and also in the Family Life Center, would you stand uh, with us as well? There may be one or two. All right. I want you to remain standing for just a moment, will you? Because, see, we clap because we, we love you, and we clap because we are moved by um, the reality that at some point in your journey, in some season of your journey, you had to make a choice to live for something beyond yourself, to serve something bigger than yourself. And that moves us and humbles us, and we are grateful for that. You may be seated for just a moment before we pray. Go ahead and, and have, a seat, have a seat for just a moment. The reason I thread all of these concerns together in my heart today is because there is a common thread. You know that? The police officer who lost his life in service to the victims of that bar, you know, the young people died. And the first responders, firefighters, emergency personnel who right now are exhausted, exhausted but in their exhaustion continue to to try to rescue and provide safety for those threatened by this fire, and clearly for those who have given their, their service to the country. All of those remind us of the most profound teaching of our Lord. There is no greater love than the kind of love in which one lays down a life for a friend. And while this is not Memorial Day, <laughs> the truth is those who have said yes to serve in any capacity beyond themselves have said yes to a life of laying down their lives for others. The deacons whom we just celebrated and ordained a moment ago in the same way have said, I am here for reasons beyond me. And I think all of that together, if we could hold it in our collective conscience, is worthy of a prayer together. Would you lean into this prayer with me as we say, Father, we, we are mindful that there is much pain, much hurting and sorrow in this world. We recognize that there are anguished and anguishing people, not just far away, but here among us, who struggle and who are lonely and sad. Would you show us something this day that reminds us that you are aware of them? For we join our cry to the cries of those who are calling out for you. Show us how to be the church to those who hurt. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. All right. So today is part three in an ongoing series. And as I begin this part, I want to let you know about something that Max Lucado tells. He tells a story of a woman, an old woman, who lives in a, a shoreline community in Ireland. She's living there at the turn of the 20th century. Everybody knows who she is. Everybody loves her. She's wealthy, but very frugal. She doesn't spend a dime. That's why it surprised everybody in her little community when she was one of the first people in their town to put electricity in her home. And sure enough, they came and installed all of the, the equipment. And a few weeks later, the man who comes to read the meter, 
He knocks on her door and says, ma'am, I noticed that you've not been using a lot of electricity. Is everything working okay? And she said, oh, yes, it's great. But I, I noticed in all, of the, in all of the readings, you're not using a lot of electricity. Are, are you sure? How are you using it? She said, oh, yes, every night, every night at sunset, I'll turn on the lights long enough to light all the candles in my house. And then I'll turn it off. It's fine. Is this how you and I access the immeasurable greatness of the love of God? It occurs to me that you and I have access to an indescribable power. A power that desires to course through our hearts and minds and hands and feet. And yet, we sometimes, when it comes to our faith, we flip on and we flip off access to that power. And when we do, we never fully live up to or into our truest identity as the body of Christ alive in this world. And I want to talk about it for just a few moments this morning. I want to talk about what it means because the text that we've been studying today, just one verse, Paul reminds us, you are the body of Christ. And, and individually, you are members of it. But I want us to imagine what it looks like and sounds like and feels like to live up to and into that identity to its, its fullest. So to do that, however, we're going to have to talk about three things. To get there, we're going to have to talk about three things. First, we're going to have to talk about the thing behind the thing. Yes, mm-hmm. I heard an amen back in the back. That's how I hear it. We're going to have to talk about the thing behind the thing, but then we're going to have to talk about the thing. And then we're going to have to talk about the thing after that. We're going to talk about the thing behind the thing, the thing, and the thing after that. Is that crystal clear? All right, then a word of prayer as we begin. Holy Spirit, our hearts inspire. Fill us with your holy fire. For if you are with us, yes, nothing else matters. But if you are not with us, nothing else matters. Amen. The thing behind the thing. Sometimes when Laura and I get in an argument, a disagreement, a fuss, and yes, we do. I know that you think that pastor's families only stay at home and read the Bible at night and pray with each other and talk about Jesus. But we can throw down in a good argument too. And there are two Two verifiable facts about when we argue, and it's empirical. You, You can trace, you can measure it. Two truths about when we argue. Number one, I am usually wrong. 
You can take that one to the bank. And number two, usually the thing we're, we're arguing about is not the thing. A few weeks ago, I came home, and, and, and it had been a long day, and we still had some paperwork and some things to do because although Nathan was doing a lot of the heavy lifting, it's college application time, and he was doing all the college apps a few weeks ago, but then there's, there's work that we do as well. We've got to fill out the FAFSA, financial aid forms, and we've got we to fill out uh, inquiries about scholarships. Some of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about, and at the end of the day, we've got to put all these words together, and, and I don't have any more words. I'm done. I know that's a surprise to a lot of you. But I do words for a living. I work for the word, right? And at this end of this day, I had no more words. I'm like, oh, seriously? Are we really? No kidding. And I was kind of abrasive and sharp and, and curt a little bit because I didn't want to do the words. But then about an hour later, it occurred to me what usually occurs to me, and it's, it's this. Maybe it wasn't so much that I, I didn't want to fill out forms as much as it was... <laughs> anticipatory grief in preparation for launching my first son into life and the paperwork just kind of makes it official see there's always a thing but really it's the thing behind the thing that you got to get to you know, thought leaders out there tell us all about this. Like Simon Sinek, he talks about uh, starting with why, an excellent TED talk I recommend to you. He says, if you know what your why is, then all of the what and the how and the when and the where and all the stuff that follows, it'll fall in place if you know your why. Or like Gary Keller, his book, uh, The One Thing, as he talks about ruthlessly eliminating every other thing that competes with the one thing that needs to be the focus of your life. Well, I'm here to tell you the church has a why. And the church has a one thing. And as we talk about that this morning, I just want to use the phrase, it's the thing behind the thing. And the thing behind the thing in the church means that this is the thing that fuels every other thing. Every sermon we preach, every song we sing, every program we plan is fueled by the thing behind the thing. And the thing behind the thing is this. You really can know God you really can know God. And the life that emerges out of knowing God looks exactly like the life that Jesus described it would look. He gave it a name. He called it the kingdom of God. But it's a life that looks like this. A life of contentment. A life of true peace with, with God and peace with your enemy and even even more difficult, peace with yourself. This life, the thing behind the thing, this life is, is a life filled with justice and reconciled relationships and forgiveness and beauty and joy and hope. And all of that is available to us when we yield our lives to this love of God, which is like an electric current teeming and surging down deep in our soul. That's the thing behind the thing for us. That in you right now is the divine presence and action of God. And it may be that you can't recognize it. It may be that it's been a long time since you've cultivated it. But I'm telling you, if you are created by a loving and benevolent God who declares over your life it is very good, then in you right now is coursing the divine DNA of God. Well, that's worth something. 
That means in you right now is the capacity to access this this surge of power that wants to rise up and be turned on, not flipped on and off and on and off. And if we can learn to access that power of God's love that is already there, you didn't put it there, you can't take it away, I'm sorry. Like I say, God is crazy about you and there's nothing you can do about it, it's there. If we could learn to access it, it, it'll change everything. Because see, if we get that, the thing behind the thing, well, then nothing else matters. But if we don't get that, nothing else matters. I love what Richard Rohr says about it. He says, the trouble is we don't lack the presence of God like we often think that we do. What we lack is the awareness of it. The awareness of it. Are you aware that like a a mighty current, God's love desires to surge in your life? See, that's the thing behind the thing. But that means it moves us to the next movement of our time together. Not only is there a thing behind the thing, but that also means that there is a thing. And if the thing behind the thing is that God desires to be discovered and activated and alive and resurrected in your life, if that's the thing behind the thing, well, here's the thing. When we gather as a church, we gather as people who are devoted to staying aware of that fact. That's what the church is intended to be, a gathering of individuals who not only have discovered the thing behind the thing, that there is a teeming, living, thriving God of love within us, but when we gather together, we begin to recognize and we commit ourselves to staying awake and aware of this love that is in us and among us, this action of God. And when we do that, I think that we begin to recognize, I mean, if you come to church And you, for just one moment, look around at the amazing mystery of people who are here and perhaps were so challenged by life and trouble that they should have just stayed in bed and yet they somehow made it. They came here to lend their strength and maybe receive a little strength in return. When you begin to look around and see your sisters and brothers as hosts to the divine action of God. And we begin to understand what Paul meant when Paul said, this is what I'm talking about. This is a mystery. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. When was the last time you looked at a fellow JCBC member and recognized in them the Christ that is in them? Have you seen in them the thing that's behind the thing, this presence and action of God coming alive in them? Henry Nouwen said it this way, when the Christ in me sees the Christ in you, well, the space between us is holy ground. Yeah. When the Christ in me sees the Christ in you, the space between, why is it holy ground? It's because if I can access and, and stay awake, if I can hashtag stay woke to the awareness that God is within me trying to come alive, 
and you are doing the same, then when the two of us, and oh, well, I don't know, I heard somewhere where two or three of us gather together, the actual presence of our Lord is in the room. And you know what we become? The living, breathing body of Christ. Able to do and be things that we could never do or be if we were simply by ourselves. When I see in you that God is up to something, and then you try to see in me that God is up to something, and we decide to get together to see if God is up to some shared something, that's when we are capable of wrecking the world with a love that would turn it upside down. See, the church is intended to be the, the actual, visible, breathing, living presence of the risen Christ in this world. Can I just put it another way? We're it. If you believe on Easter when we gather in here and things are dressed up in white and we all have our like seersuckers and stuff and we're like, hey, it's Easter. Christ the Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. If you really believe he is risen indeed, that means he is alive today. But if he is alive today, where is he alive but in you? You are the body. You're it. Do you know what Teresa of Avila said? I want you to just drink these words in. She said, Christ has no body. Listen. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Next slide. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, yours are the body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours, your body. See, beloved, when we gather in this place, it's not to be a social club. We are not gathered here to, to be seen. We are, we are gathered here to be healed, to be bound up in our broken places. We're gathered here for our lives to be infused with a kind of resilient and resistant hope in these broken times. We are here to remind ourselves every time I preach and every time we sing and every time we lift a prayer, we are here to remind ourselves that it was he who lifted our face out of the muck and mire and set our feet on a solid and lofty plane. And if God truly is the one who continually rescues us and welcomes us and embraces us and lifts us up, then we gather here not just to celebrate that, we gather here to be reminded that he's still doing that, but through the hands and feet of those whom he has already rescued. Have you been lifted out of the muck? Then it is you who are to lift others out of the muck. See, I want, I want us to think for just a moment upon this question. If Christ were walking the earth today, where would Christ's feet Take him. If Christ's hands were active and calloused like that carpenter's hand once was, where would he be working? If Christ could see and hear the things that are going on in this world, 
What would Christ's mouth say about what Christ sees and hears in this world? Because I am absolutely convinced to my core that among the places where he would walk, where he would serve, where he would speak, see and hear, he would be in the grieving families of Thousand Oaks, California. He would be with the firefighters uncoiling, literally uncoiling the fire hoses in their exhaustion to attend their need as they attend the needs of others. He would be walking with desperate sons and daughters and mothers and fathers in a caravan that we so politicized that we don't even want to talk about it anymore. Beloved, let me... Let me speak to you as a pastor. Do not, this is a heads up, do not, do not, do not. Do not let politics of the right or the left hijack your responsibility as the body of Christ to attend the needs of the hurting, the lost, and lonely in this world. I'll wait for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Because if Christ would be anywhere, I promise you, he would refuse to spend 30 seconds debating policy, but would show up somewhere to bind a broken and and breaking world. He would be in Puerto Rico putting roofs on houses because a hurricane blew off hundreds of them. He'd be walking through... (laughs) Rural villages in Ethiopia, along with the women who are scared for their lives because as they carry water from village to village, they are subject to all kinds of violence. He would be with them drilling wells so that they may drink clean. But we're it. Yours are the hands, so what will you do? Yours are the feet, so where will you go? Yours are his lips, his eyes, his ears. So what will you say about the things you see and hear today? Because see, that is the thing. So there is a thing behind the thing. God is up to something, his presence and action alive in the world. And the thing is that when we recognize it and we join with one another in solidarity, Big things can happen to undo the hurt of this world. But that leads us to the last movement. Not only is there a thing behind the thing, and not only is there a thing, that there, there is the thing after that. And the thing after that is it comes down to one personal serious decision that we each have to make. Every morning when we wake up, God wakes us in the morning, and I promise you God does not want us to be like Christ. God does not want us to talk like Christ. Christ, the Lord, doesn't want us to go and serve like Christ. God wants us to to be Christ. We're it. And Christ wants to wake you in the morning to go be the Christ in a hurting world in a way that only you uniquely can be the Christ. You see, I've said this to you before. There's no one like you. And the reason I believe that deeply is because God doesn't make duplicates. When God dreamed you up, God had a 
had an idea in mind about what you might be and what you might do in this world. And, 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 and when I say to you that you have a unique take on God, then I mean if you don't show up with that perspective, then we don't know that element of God. No one has your experiences, your heartache, your joys. We have some similar, but no one is you but you. And God, I believe, wants to use your unique journey to combine with everyone else's unique journey to lavish this world with love. And you hear me up here talking about, yeah, the body has many parts. It's got hands and feet and it's got eyes and ears and mouth. And you may say to yourself, yeah, I get it. You may say, yeah, there are some in the church who are like the mouth and they, they speak and there are some in the church who are the eyes and they, they cast vision. I'm not even a hand because I, I can't do much. or I don't, I'm not even a foot because I, I, don't, I don't have the resources or courage to go somewhere. I'm more like a, like a pinky toe. And I'm here to tell you, sisters and brothers, don't disparage a good pinky toe. Because the pinky toe brings balance to the foot. So be a pinky toe for the body of Christ. Because there is one thing that God has in mind for you. And if you access it, if you become awake to it, this world gets undone with love. So, there's one passage I want to read and then we'll end. This passage speaks to what is required if indeed as the pinky toe we want to step in and be a part of the foot be a part of the body hear these words we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine and you might say well i'm not blown around by every wind of doctrine i know what i believe i'm a baptist i have this theological orientation i know my my belief system well not so fast because you and I can be blown about by other doctrines like I don't have time. You know, the teaching of, well, we're just too overcommitted. I don't have the money to help. I don't have the time to help. I can't, I can't, I can't. Those are doctrines that blow us about. Don't be blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up. Love that phrase. We must grow up. In every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. Notice what it doesn't say. Grow up in Christ. Grow up into Christ. The more we mature with one another, we become the Christ in the world. We become the body in the world. From whom the whole body, joined together, knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up. In love. So what do you do? My word to you is this. Pour yourself out in every conceivable way for Christ. In every encounter you have with people, in every crisis that you face, in everything your church calls on you to do to help, pour yourself out in Christ. Show up, serve, volunteer, lead, give. In fact, you know, right now we're in this season about giving and we're talking pledging. We're talking about our pledge campaign for next year. And it's very tempting to think that all of that talk is very separate from all of this talk. And it's not. It's every bit what I'm talking about here. Because if you are a person 
pinky toe or left elbow, whatever part of the body you are, if you are someone who understands the thing behind the thing, that Christ is up to something in us. And if you understand the thing, that when we are together, we can do powerful things in the name of Christ. And if you understand the thing that's after that, then you recognize you have a role to play. You're not off the hook. And that means giving every bit of yourself, including finances and and time and energy and sweat and blood and tears for the sake of this body. So, what will you do? Somebody here today needs to give their life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. It might be that you're here on campus and you recognize that you've been playing games for a long time, but you've never come to the place where you actually say, look, I I sensed that there was a thing behind the thing and, and I've never really been able to name it, but that thing that I'm not quite comfortable naming just yet is real and it's alive and I want to say yes to it, but I don't know how. I don't care. I didn't ask you to know how. You simply step forward and we will marvel at whatever God is up to in you now together. Or if you've been walking with Christ, maybe somebody here today needs to say, it's time for me to join this church. I I want to bring the thing that's behind the thing and join it with others so that this thing that we do together has strength and power and I don't feel like I'm alone anymore. You need to join this church today. And you know, I think somebody on this campus may be in the middle of a call to ministry. It might be that somebody right now is being worked on by God. Something has been going on deep inside and you've been turning it on and off and on and off and maybe it's time to leave it on and see how bright the light goes. Maybe God is calling you to something you never imagined you could do or be. And you think, I have no no talent, I'm not equipped, but don't forget, God does not call the equipped. God equips the called, and we're all called to something. Amen? Let's pray. God, we recognize that we are all called to something, and that comes as a mystery, a shock maybe to some of us, and maybe it comes with great resistance to others. Because maybe we don't want to be called. Maybe we, we are resisting saying yes to you, yielding our lives to you. But time is up and the alarm of our hearts chiming, say it's, it's time is up and I give up and I, I am yours. And we pray, Lord, during this time that if there is someone here who is struggling, wrestling, that they may find the grace to let go And let the thing behind the thing surge in them. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.